0: Following is a production of Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. y'all bring it in another episode of 83 till infinity thank you for rocking with us my name is brown great week for this should i say it's a great week it hasn't really been a great week because they lost two in a row lost to orlando lost to atlanta but then they were able to bounce back with a win over the brooklyn nets good win, good solid win on a day which was it was a good day for sports and fielding. Earlier that day, the Phillies had their season opener, the debut of Bryce Harper, and they wrap it up with a win. The Sixers wrap it up with a win over the Brooklyn Nets. Let's bring in my man Mike Jones. He's on the line. He's on the phone with me this week. I wanted to, uh, sit, well, let's see. Sixers have big win on Thursday against Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. If you want to, if you, do, do you even consider that a big win?
1: It's It's notable because it's against a playoff team and a team that quite possibly they could end up playing in the first round depending on how the seating shakes out. Mm -hmm. So it's not negligible, I'll say it that way. I don't know that i could call anything against a team that is floating around or below five hundred if it's ever a big win, but because they are a potential playoff matchup, it matters especially coming off two bad losses to bad teams. It's good to see them get a little momentum going again.
0: It is good to see uh, to see them getting a little some yeah. some momentum. But I wanted to, I kind of wanted to bring this up to you because something that we talk about often, we talk about narrative. We talk about how in this day and time, in this day and age, narrative kind of takes precedence over reality. And those were two bad road losses that the that the Sixers suffered. Lost to Atlanta, lost to Orlando. Two teams not in the playoffs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But previously, they had won six in a row, including wins over Indiana, wins over Milwaukee, and a win over Boston. Why does it seem like people were more... Why, in your opinion, do you think people were more worried and more and, and felt like and, and treated it like this two that two-game losing streak, granted against two bad teams, it almost seemed like that took precedence over the previous six-game winning streak. They beat Indiana, they beat Milwaukee, they beat Boston. But to hear people say to hear people talk, to hear fans talk. This team was falling apart because they lost to Atlanta and they lost to Orlando. Why do you think that is?
1: Now, okay. Do you want me to be honest? Yes. Or do I you g- want me to be very honest?
0: I want you to, look, we got time. I want you to be very honest. I want you to go in. All
1: right. Now, see, you've heard me say this before, and there's no tactful way to say it. Basketball fans are idiots. <laughs> so, except So expectations are going to swing wildly and reactions are going to be more emotional than logical. But let's look at it for a second. You just laid it out. It was a six-game win streak, and they've won their last four in a row against playoff teams. The loss to Atlanta coming off that six-game win streak in a week where you beat Milwaukee and Boston, probably two of your – definitely two of your – three biggest rivals in the East, the Atlanta game, you were primed for a letdown. That's almost what I would consider a scheduling loss, where you play two very tough opponents in, a, in the same week and then the third game is a team who's out of the playoffs. You're primed for a letdown. You're primed to kind of take the night off to rest almost when you see a game like that, especially with a young team like the Sixers who your best players don't necessarily understand how to come out and bring it every night and maintain that level of emotion during a 82-game season, the Atlanta game, that loss didn't surprise me. Especially if you factor in, if you remember the conversation we had with Anthony Gilbert from NBA.com, Hoops Mag, right after the trade deadline. I'm sure you remember the conversation. Oh, yeah. yeah. But we talked about it then, that what I called a hole in the Sixers personnel-wise with a lack of ability to defend, penetrating quicker guards. And that is also, I think, a factor in those two losses. The loss to Atlanta, you're dealing with a – he's a rookie, but he's still a small, quick guard in Trey Young those kind of guards are always going to give the Sixers trouble. And if they're in a game where they come out flat, not fully energized, not fully engaged, that's a matchup I thought would give them trouble. And the Orlando loss, while it wasn't necessarily the small, quicker guard, you are already defensively deficient in the backcourt. And then Ben Simmons sat out that game. At which point, if you look at the Sixers' backcourt without Ben Simmons in it, J.J. Redick is a professional. He's a great shooter. Defensively, he is, at 34 years of age, a liability. And once Ben Simmons out the lineup, you're looking at 30-plus minutes of T.J. McConnell, Shake Milton, who hasn't even been in the NBA a majority of the season, spent a lot of time in the G League, or, yeah, the G League, and at that point, your backcourt is somewhat less than your typical NBA backcourt. So the loss to Orlando is understandable. While not, it might not be enjoyable, it's understandable.
0: I want to talk to you. You, you mentioned Sheikh Milton, and I'm hearing a lot of people a Lot of people want Shake Milton to get more playing time. Are you do you fall into that crowd or do you think that's just somebody wanting some somebody wanting something different? They see that we, we know what we get with TJ McConnell. We know what we get with JJ Reddick. So they see Shake Milton do have some success in the G League and think he's a good young player. Do you think people are overvaluing him right now?
1: overvaluing yes but if you were because of the some of the things i just mentioned we we're talking about the atlanta law to the orlando law mm-hmm. with the Sixers still having some deficiencies in the backcourt, needing someone who can defend smaller quick guards and at the same time still be a threat to make a shot which is mcconnell's problem he can defend but He's not a threat to score. So if you put him out, put McConnell on the court for 30 minutes. That's 30 minutes of a player who's just not a threat on the court. Whereas Shake Milton can make a shot. He's got a lot of work to do, but because of that hole the Sixers have personnel-wise, Sixers fans are. L- looking, reaching for anything that could possibly fill that void going into the playoffs, knowing that this is not the time of year where you can just go to the free a- free agency or you know the tr- the trade mill and pull something off. Shake Milton could quite possibly be the Sixers' best hope to fill that void.
0: So you you would like to see more Shake Milton going down the stretch? Is are you are you full? You're falling into that line. You're falling into that uh, category.
1: Going down the stretch of the regular season, I I am quite on board with giving him some minutes just to evaluate whether or not he is an option for five, ten minutes in a game during the playoffs.
0: Okay. So, because as of right now, it looks like Shake Milton does not fall into Brett Brown's playoff strategy. It seems so, like,
1: at, like right now, no, it does not seem that way, and that
0: doesn't surprise you. No. Okay, but it, because it he's a young surprise. player, yeah, because he's a young player, just came up from the G League. I just feel like sometimes people just get wrapped up, in, you know, they get wrapped up in in different. Is mm-hmm. when you get used to something. When you get used to something, you you want different. I feel like ten to twelve minutes of T.J. McConnell is fine. I feel like when you're getting ten to twelve minutes of TJ McConnell, everybody loves TJ. McConnell because he's scrappy because he plays good defense, and in ten to twelve minutes, he might hit a shot or two. When you when you're getting thirty minutes of TJ McConnell, you're getting thirty minutes of TJ McConnell. And in thirty minutes you can see all his deficiencies. You can see all his issues and all his problems. And it's like, that's when people are like, oh, my God, why is T.J. McConnell out there so much? Why is T.J. McConnell playing so many minutes? And I'm like, the answer is obvious. The answer, why T.J. McConnell is playing so many minutes, the answer is in street clothes on the bench. You -hmm. know, it's like you're not going to get 30 minutes of T.J. McConnell when when Ben Simmons is playing. Unless unless it's a 40-point blowout. And at 40 points, if the Sixers are be- beating somebody by 40 points, are you really complaining that TJ McConnell is getting too many minutes? Not at all. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And this whole thing about Shake Milton, and it's like, I'm not against Shake Milton. I just feel like I haven't seen enough of him yet to warrant all the excitement. And that is not to say that there isn't room in, over the next, what, seven games to change my mind to change my opinion i most certainly could be like you know over the next couple of games i'm looking at minnesota i'm looking at dallas and i'm looking at atlanta those are games where we could we could very well see some shake mode. and I, and on top of that i would you know at, even though this even though this team is now in win now mode and we get we we understand. Not saying that they can win now, but they're thinking we have to win now. This is still a young team with young pieces looking to develop. There are still veterans on this team who need who should at some point in time have to be replaced. Mm-hmm. You know, I I like JJ Reddick, but I thought I th- I thought that there were two players that had a chance to really replace him and kind of push him out, and that did not happen. First was TLC. Didn't happen with TLC. TLC's gone. The second was uh, Landry Shamit. Didn't happen with Landry Shamit. You know, I thought it could have happened, but the opportunity to get Tobias Harris presented itself. So we had to say goodbye to. So we had to say goodbye to uh Shamit. Understand you know, disappointing but understandable. As much you know, I, I think a good I think a good a uh, a good solid power forward beats the need of replacing your aging two guard.
1: And I agree with most of what you said. Okay. However, I think the need for a specifically a defensive upgrade in the backcourt mm-hmm. as far as the Sixers championship hope is was equally as important as the need to upgrade the power forward position. What Dario Sarch left early in the year in the Jimmy Butler trade. So there were two needs. The Sixers had, they filled one and they're gonna to have to try to work around the other. It's not gonna be impossible. You hope you get certain matchups which kind of facilitate the Sixers hope in the playoffs. There are a couple teams which are just bad matchups that you don't want to see. But the Sixers, as constructed, have as good a shot in the East as anybody.
0: They do have a good they do have a good shot. They have as good a shot as anybody. Let's kind of look down the road. Let's look down the line. On for this Sixes team, they're kind of they're 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 pretty much locked into that three spot. They're four and a half mm-hmm. games behind Toronto. They're they're not gonna take. They're not gonna catch Toronto.
1: No, they're not gonna catch Toronto. And they're about. And it's not likely that Indiana or Boston will catch them.
0: Yes, but I'm look. We we talked about this whole. We talked about the game against Brooklyn. And the fact that that could possibly be a first round matchup, but also what could be a first round matchup is the Pistons, and I'm starting to now think that the Pistons would be a the Pistons is more of a, of a reality. This is Brooklyn just lost. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn lost to Philly. They lost. They've now lost two in a row. They beat. They lost to uh, Portland on Monday. They lost to us on Thursday. Saturday night, they play uh, Boston. Monday, they play Milwaukee. Wednesday, they play Toronto. Saturday, they play Milwaukee again. Sunday, they play Indiana. Next Sunday, they play Indiana. And next Wednesday, they end the season against Miami. Their last eight games they are, have a tough
1: stretch coming are up. again
0: their last 8 games including the uh including their last two losses against playoff teams.
1: Mhm.
0: There's a good chance Brooklyn's not even in the playoffs.
1: That is also a very real possibility.
0: So given so that to you I I'm looking at I'm looking at Detroit as their first their first uh round playoff opponent. And what do you think of them?
1: Detroit they'll be they'll, they'll play hard. It'll be it'll likely be a tough physical series. <clears throat> but in a over 7 games, I don't think Detroit has the offensive firepower to outlast the Sixers in a 7 game series. It Blake Griffin who has had a Very solid season. Will struggle trying to get buckets inside the paint against the Sixers. The Sixers are very big and tough to score on in the paint. And around the perimeter, the Pistons have some players. Reggie Jackson can play the game. And he is that small, quick guard that gives the Sixers trouble. But they don't necessarily have the offensive threats on the wing Mm -hmm. that will create the type of problems that normally occur when a penetrating guard gets into the lane and you have to help off someone. The Pistons have options that you can help off of, and it won't kill you. Whereas some of these other teams, if you help off a wing player, he'll end up dropping 30. You help off Jason Tatum when you're playing Boston because you have to help the point guard, he'll give you 30 points. You help off Gordon Haywood, he can give you 25 points. Hence the problem the Sixers have with Boston. But a team like Detroit, you send help to help when Reggie Jackson has the ball, and you're not that concerned about the Wings killing. So over a seven-game series, I think that'll, that should shake out to be a nice opening walk Opening round tune-up for the Sixers. Should um, it shake out where they're playing Detroit in the first round?
0: It it should, and I don't want to. I I don't want to seem like I'm taking the Detroit backcourt lightly because Reggie Jackson is good. He, he's 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 a, he's a capable point guard.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know they but also He's not going to carry. Yeah. carry it. yeah, it's like I think. We, we all know that the Achilles heel of the Sixers team has been defending backcourts. Now, they did a really good job of defending Dinwiddie and D'Angelo Russell on Thursday. Probably the best job they've done on defending a backcourt in a long time. Probably the best job they've done on defending a backcourt since they blew out Houston earlier this year. But nonetheless, this team's Achilles' heel has been defending the guard. Now, now if
1: you let me point out one thing real mm-hmm. quick, when Go you ahead. mentioned DenWitty and D'Angelo Russell, yes, both of those guys are six foot five, six foot six. Mm-hmm. Those are not the small, quick guards that concerned it.
0: So you I, think that's the so so that's the difference? I the,
1: difference. the Sixers to defend them well.
0: Okay. Now, now that that is a very good point. So you. So what you're saying is, although Brooklyn can be a dangerous team, I mean, they split, mm-hmm. the, they split the season series with the Sixers, two ga- you know, two yes. games each. But They,
1: they did. Mm-hmm. The Sixers weren't in their current form for all four of those games either.
0: How much of that do you think plays, how much of that plays a factor to you? I think that's very much an understated point. Well, that that's even, a
1: huge factor. Mm-hmm. If you look at the Sixers roster from opening days until the Jimmy Butler trade, it's a completely different team. Mm-hmm. If you so look at the Sixers, the dynamics yeah. of the. Go ahead. I, I was, what I was saying is the dynamics of the team changed completely when you bring in a guy like Jimmy Butler, and then they changed completely again when you bring in a guy like Tobias Harris and also Boban Marjanovic. You really you essentially rebuilt this team twice during the year, so you have to look at that when you consider what the Sixers record is versus some of these teams they are literally a completely different team
0: literally a, t- a completely different team and a team that i, I still believe can do some damage i oh, like I, I like what i like what they're doing i i like the versatility of this team you know, you, you have – there, there are three different people on the court almost at all times who can bring the ball down and run your offense. I like – I still like having Jimmy Butler bring that uh, – bring the ball down. But I like also like Tobias Harris bringing the ball down. As well as I like Ben Simmons bringing the ball down. Whereas, like, you're keeping a defense on their heels at all times. Absolutely. And I think that's scary. I think that's scary and for for me, I you know, I don't know if Brooklyn can if Brooklyn can defend that. I don't know if Detroit can defend that. I'm not sure if Orlando can defend that. I don't know how they would. Now I'm looking, look now I told you about Brooklyn's schedule. Boston, Milwaukee, Toronto, Milwaukee, Indiana, and Miami. Mm hmm. Orlando's got a pretty tough schedule as well. Indiana, Toronto. Now they got the Knicks and they got Atlanta. But then they're at Boston, two games on the road at Boston and at Charlotte. And Charlotte's and, and Charlotte's uh, they're mathematically still in it, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah mathematically they're still in it. So you are looking at a for – You know, it's looking like it's right now. It's looking like it's going to be Detroit, but it could also be Brooklyn. Although I think Brooklyn. There's a good chance Brooklyn will fall. But it could also be Miami. And that means Dwayne Wade in his last his his last series. Now, I understand they beat him in 5 last year. But do you even with even with Dwayne Wade's advanced age, do you put him in the type of, you know, him in that category of the type of guard who could hurt the Sixers? In
1: stretches, yes, Dwayne Wade can and has hurt the Sixers in the past. But with his knees and his age over a seven game series, Dwayne Wade could possibly win two games for them.
0: Two. You see. So if it was sixes Sixers he you're saying sixes and two.
1: I'm I'm saying if it goes six games, the Sixers win four two, I wouldn't be shocked. Okay. I would not give Miami great odds of winning more than two games in that series. Mm-hmm. Their center is, how can I say, mentally fragile, I believe. <laughs> He's the type of guy where someone who like Embiid who likes to talk
0: mm-hmm. will
1: get in his head and get him out of the game. I think...
0: <sighs> Hassan, what you said, I think people wanted him to be that next big thing
1: and I think physically he was capable of it but yeah
0: but there's just something about him something about his game that just screams not yet not ready for prime time like not like not you not this guy do you get that about him absolutely I mean, yeah, like I I alluded, I, mm, I
1: alluded to that when I said he's mentally stable, unstable or mentally fragile his Physical skill set is everything you need to be a dominant big man in the mm-hmm. league. However, I don't know if it's a lack of commitment, lack of work ethic, lack, of, or if he's just lack focus, but whatever it is, something not something other than physical ability is holding him back from get, going to that next level where his talent seems like it would dictate. Mm-hmm.
0: I I, I I feel I feel the same way. And it's like it seemed like they wanted they wanted Hassan Whiteside to be that guy when they when it came time to transition away from the big three. When it came time to transition away from the James Bosch and Wade trio and they were and it was time to rebuild. They wanted to rebuild around Whiteside and he showed flashes. Mm-hmm. He's a young, yeah, you athletic, know,
1: seven-footer who can change in. That is but, physically what you want out
0: of your big man. But when it came time to get the job done, he just wasn't that dude. You know, he, he's he's had good games. I mean, he's not garbage. We're not talking about a guy who's trash. He's not trash, but I'm just not sure if he's that guy, if he's cornerstone guy. He's a piece. He's a good guy to have, but I, he's not a game-changer. No, he's not. He's he's not a game changer at all. And and I agree with the point that you made. You know, just like Drummond, Embiid and Embiid has a summer home in White head.
1: Just like Indeed. he
0: has and just like he has a home in Drummond's head. And both of them can say they don't, you know, they can offer whatever tough talk they want, but Embiid has residency in both of their heads, and in a seven-game series, I think you're going to see that. I, I, you know, it's it's just a foregone conclusion. I'm not trying to say that it would be an easy series, but I think that it would be a. Th- these are the two series. Sixers have to play Detroit in the first round. Sixers have to play Miami in the first round. I think you're going to see Joel Embiid you know, dominate, Dominate. that's the series that you're, you're going to see them dominate. Now the question, you know, I know we can't look past them and I'm not, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to go past them in now. There's plenty of time to talk about the second round mm-hmm. and I'm, spe- and I'm not going to talk about who, you know, what could happen in the second round where there's still what, <laughs> what seven games left in the regular season, you know, a little ahead of our yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to do that. It's easy to do. It's easy to get caught up in you know. But I'm I'm going to display today. I'm going to display this morning a little Mike Jones objectivity. <laughs> I'm going to display. Uh, a a little bit of Mike Jones objectivity, and I'm going to say, you know what? Hey, that's a topic for another day. That's a topic for another time. You know, there'll be plenty of time to preview the second round. But let's look ahead. You got Minnesota, you got Dallas, and you got Atlanta. You got three teams on the outside of the playoffs looking in. Mm -hmm. This is a team who has struggled over the past. The Sixers are a team that, that has struggled as of late with teams not in the playoffs. Lost to Orlando. Lost to Atlanta. And I understand you explained that. Lost to Chicago. You know, looking looking back, a loss to Sacramento. You know these these are the losses that they these are the you know these are the losses that they've suffered over the last couple of weeks. How much does this road trip at Minnesota at Dallas at uh, Atlanta? How much does that scare you? Especially when you see they got they still have to go back to Chicago this year.
1: None of it really scares me. The Sixers being a young team and having came out flat against Atlanta and having lost a close one down the stretch to Chicago, I expect them to be properly motivated going into those games. lose to Atlanta again, or if they lose to Chicago again, that will worry me some. Simply from the standpoint that this Sixers team would have shown some inconsistency that I think would be problematic. Mm -hmm. But should they go out and handle their business like I expect them to, my expectations for the Sixers at this point have not changed. And assuming they handle their business, my expectations for the Sixers will remain the same. Those games won't raise my expectations any if they win.
0: Okay. So let's talk about the next game. Next game coming up, we got Minnesota. We talk uh, Jimmy Butler's return to Minneapolis. He's already said that he expects to get booed. If you were a T-Wolves fan, would you boo Jimmy Butler? Yes. You would would boo Jimmy Butler?
1: If I signed a guy, he's on my team for a year and a half and says I don't want to be here anymore, Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to boo him too.
0: So that being said, what do you expect from Jimmy Butler tonight? What do you expect from Jimmy Butler on Saturday night?
1: Now, see, that's a tough question. Because with the Sixers, especially since Tobias Harris has come in, Jimmy Butler has almost been going out of his way not to be extra aggressive on the offensive end. He's kind of just been... Playing his role and, and trying to, you know, fill in, not rock the boat too much, which is a good thing considering how much talent is on this team. I was trying to say it's a good thing, but it's not a bad thing. However, he's over the last couple games, especially against the last few playoff teams they've played, he seems to be finding his moments, finding his spot where he's figuring out when to be more aggressive.
0: Yeah, I thought I thought that was on I thought that was on display in the Boston game. You know, he talked about the conversation that he had with Joel Embiid. He said, hey man, just get me to the fourth quarter and I'll do my thing. And I think that presents a dangerous option for these Sixers. When exactly. when now because now they have that guy. And that's something that they, they have not had probably Honestly, that's something they probably haven't had since Iverson. Somebody who can hit. That's
1: the same thing I was thinking as well. Mm -hmm. Somebody who's comfortable wants the ball to
0: close the game. Exactly. Exactly. Somebody who's going to hit that drive ending shot. When another team gets hot, when another team starts to feel themselves, who's going to hit that shot that was going to say, hey, you know what? Not quite. Not going to happen. That
1: player is generally a perimeter player, a guard. Mm -hmm. Your your big man, as dominant as he is, is playing what I call a dependent position. And what I mean by that is, as much as he's able to dominate and control the game, Mm -hmm. he's dependent on another player, specifically a guard, to get him the ball in spots where he can dominate. However, a guy like Jimmy Butler or Ben Simmons they start to the play with the ball in their hands. Now, where Ben Simmons has shown an unwillingness to attack, partially because he's not confident in his shot at the free-throw line, et cetera, Jimmy Butler has seems to have no issues with the ball in his hands down the stretch.
0: Jimmy Butler, and and to a a lesser extent, Tobias Harris. And and I know that Harris has kind of been slumping as of late, but for me, it's like it's just that. That's basketball. Mm -hmm. That's ball. You know, it's like that. So, for me, I don't believe – I mean, even with with Reddick's slump, He's come out of it. He's had he's had better games since he's had those poor games a couple of weeks ago. He might not he might not be at the JJ Reddick that he was earlier in the season, but what are we seeing? We're seeing Jimmy Butler play play big down the stretch. We've seen Tobias Harris make big shots down the stretch. And what and just like you said to your point about a uh, big man being dependent on the ball, it works hand in hand. When you know that a guy like Jimmy and a guy like Tobias can hit jumpers, can hit big shots in big moments, you know that at that at that point, if they try to D them up, if they try to D them up, if they try to bring uh uh put an extra defender on that perimeter player, you can dump it right down to your big man who is the most dominant big man in the league. I don't care what anybody else says.
1: Exactly. That is the one thing the Sixers have different than any other team in the league, excluding Golden State. Mm -hmm. You could put a starting five on the court where everyone is a threat to score 20 points on. So you can't ignore or double team off of anyone too much which often is going to lead Embiid with single coverage. Exactly. Joel Embiid with single coverage Mm -hmm. can't be guarded by anyone in the NBA.
0: No, you can't. No, you you can't. uh,
1: There are players who mm -hmm. play him better than others. but Mm -hmm. Like, for example, what's in Boston? Why why is the guy's name? Horford. Horford Horford, plays well. Yeah, Al Horford. Yeah. He's a guy who plays Embiid tough. He gets into him, he gets physical when he's defending him, and he's frustrated Embiid at times. But one-on-one, no one's going to stop him.
0: Not at all. No No one is going to stop him, and I feel like what – let's see. I'm trying to put this in the right words because it's like, it's you're the you're the objective guy, all right. You're the objective guy. I'm I'm the fan, so I don't want to gush too much over Embiid right now because it's easy. But I think with the pieces that they have put around him right now, and I feel like right now, in my lifetime, the job, and I'm not, I'm not. I'm I'm trying to keep my words. You know I, I I'm trying to monitor my words. But I feel like this so far this season, the direction that they're going. This has been the best job the Sixers have done of building around a superstar since they got Moses for Doc.
1: Oh, absolutely. Now
0: you know, this, this this is a this is a level of building around a superstar that Barkley didn't get and that Iverson didn't get.
1: Oh, Barkley absolutely did not get it. And
0: And they tried with Iverson, it just didn't work.
1: Now, that's what I was about to say. Iverson, they tried with, mm-hmm. but Iverson's unique skill set made it extremely difficult to try to find the type of players you need to actually build a contender around him. Okay. It was and that's one we can save for another day. Yeah, no. But I understand. I understand. But Iverson was a very unique player that would have re- required a special type of cast around him to truly be a championship team. Now, as far as these current Sixers, they absolutely have done a masterful job of putting talent around their centerpiece in Joel Embiid. But since we're talking about this, let me ask you a question. Okay. Would you, under any circumstances, ever consider trading Ben Simmons?
0: Yes. I would would consider it, and it's funny, I have I have a friendly wager with Sixers pre and post game host, Amy Fadul over Ben Simmons's future. I, but I would say, and, um, and I'm hoping to get her on the show so we can talk about the parameters of our wager. But let me say that I, for me, I would say, if it became if it became obvious that we were not going to be able to keep Ben Simmons, I would trade him. If that, if you're taking that off the table, yeah,
1: take, if you, if take ta- him wanting to take him not wanting to be here off the table. Okay, strictly I, talking back to basketball X's and O's, how the team fits together. I honestly, Do you think Ben Simmons is off the table.
0: I think Ben Simmons Are you asking me? Are you asking right. me personally or as a fan Look, cuz cuz um All let, right, me, let me throw out a
1: hypothetical for you. Okay. Say the Sixers lose in the second round of this year's playoff.
0: Okay.
1: And you see something similar to what you saw last year against Boston where they're essentially able to take Ben Simmons out of the game would you say prior to the draft Phoenix calls you and says we have this top three pick we'll give you this top three pick and Devin Booker for Ben Simmons and Mm. a couple future picks Mm. would you be interested yes I would as well if I could get a say the number two pick and Devin Booker I would absolutely trade Ben Simmons and draft Ja Morant. And I think that would give me a more balanced lineup with Embiid in there and and better space.
0: I think, well, I I will put it to you like this. For me to be sold on a deal like that, I feel like Ben Simmons, given everything everything about Ben Simmons, Mm -hmm. Ben Simmons is still a now guy. Ben Simmons is the guy you plug in, and he will get you stats. He will get you production now. Absolutely. So for me to trade Ben Simmons with the team that we have now, with the team that is in win now mode, you need a you need to be able to plug in players who can then you know you don't need to take a step back. You don't need to necessarily. You don't need players to say, "Hey, we hope that they can they can be this." I think if you need to be able to. You need to be able to hit the ground running. So if you're trading Ben Simmons, if you're trading Ben Simmons, you need to be you need to move without with potential to to do better things, but you also need to not lose a step. And I think that, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That
1: was no. I was saying that is specifically why I mentioned the hypothetical that I did yeah. with a team like Phoenix. Devin Booker's a guy who has. Proven, he can get buckets in the league. He scored That's, fifty points twice. I want to say in the last week,
0: mm-hmm. two streaks. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess well, let me let me ask you this before before you go on because because I I know you, I mean you're a ballaholic, you know you're twenty four seven ball. What would you say if somebody said Devin Booker is 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 Iverson two he'll get you a whole bunch of buckets on garbage teams. He gets you sixty, you know, 50, 60 points a night on teams that are crappy. He wants the ball in his hands. He doesn't make his teammates better. What would you say to that criticism?
1: Well, number one, I would say as playing off the ball rather than a point guard, he's, my number one concern for my off guard offensively is getting me buckets. Okay. Um, I'm not – I'd also be looking at, in a deal like that, potentially bringing in a future superstar point guard to run the offense and make everyone better, Mm -hmm. which is why I mentioned the specific hypothetical that I did. A guy like John Morant has everything you need to be a stud NBA point guard, should you be able to bring him in with a package like that. Ben Simmons is a guy who I firmly believe is a star and on his way to being a superstar. It's not... It to say Ben Simmons isn't good or anything like that. Mm-hmm. No, but, I understand,
0: but it's about but, make it's about making the team better. It's about making the team better and what exactly. what players bring. You know, I I feel like Devin Booker and the number three pick uh, and a and a top three pick. That is the type of that is the type of deal that I think people would accept because yeah, exactly. you know when, when you know because sometimes you know you have to you trade for assets in the hopes that asset you know that your assets pan out
1: mm-hmm. you now, know part I, I, of it is talent but part of it is hoping that they fit the fit work as well
0: mm-hmm. but sometimes i feel like there are trades that you can make that but you need to be able to see the direction of a trade and i don't think that that happens enough. You know, you've seen what Devin Booker can do, and you see what Morant can do. Mm-hmm. You see, you know, their body of work speaks for themselves. So those are the types of deals that you make, and it's like, okay, you know, I right, I see what's happening here. I see exactly. what's happening. I see what's happening here. So yeah, you know what, I would do it.
1: Okay, I, I, I no, would
0: I, I would do it. You know, it's like and, and but it's like, it's not like I will, I'm I'm in a rush to push Ben Simmons out the door?
1: And neither am I. I. I was about to make that clear as well. That's not what I'm saying as well. I just wanted to illustrate the point to people that he's not untouchable should, you know, the, the Sixers not out of options going forward should this prove to not work at the way we think this year.
0: Not at all. Not at all. All right, so as we get re- as we get ready to wrap this up, as we get ready to wrap this up l- real quick, let's let's take let's take one last look at their schedule. We got Minnesota on Saturday, Dallas on Monday, Atlanta on Wednesday. 3 mm-hmm. games, 3 teams not in the playoffs. 3 and 0, 1 and 2, 2 and 1.
1: I'm expecting 3 and 0. Possibly 2 and 1. Believe it or not, but the one possible loss I see is Atlanta again.
0: Would you be worried they lose to Atlanta twice down the stretch?
1: Depends on the loss.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, they lost on the last second shot, last second oh. improbable shot, which honestly was probably defended as well. As, Trey Young just hit a really big shot. Yeah, Trey Young yeah. hit a big shot, and it's like I like Trey Young. You know, I, I thought pe- people – I like Trey Young. I think thought people thought he was undersized coming out of college. That was a knock on him. And that probably moved him back down in the draft a little bit. I, you know, I like – I think he's playing himself into the rookie of the year category where I thought, you know, a lot of people thought it was just a foregone conclusion that it was going to be
1: – Luka Dodgers Yeah, Dallas.
0: Yeah, they thought it was going to be Doncic. But – Trey Young has put him... He's forced himself into that conversation. And he hit a big shot. And you know what the Sixers can... You, you know the Sixers struggles against smaller, quicker guards. Mm-hmm. So... Look. the Look, you're not going to tell the the F3B coalition anything. There are people who want to fire Brett Brown. You know, the you're not going to tell them anything, so it's like they lose to Atlanta in Atlanta twice down the stretch.
1: You will hear the cries for Brett Brown's job immediately following the game. Yes, definitely, definitely.
0: All right, so we got so that that is this week. Well, you know what? This is this is the week coming up. You got at Minnesota, at Dallas, at Atlanta, and then home for Milwaukee on Thursday and then they travel back out to Chicago next Saturday. You're saying you're saying 3-0 and for this road trip. What about Milwaukee and Chicago?
1: Milwaukee, that will be a tough one. I think Milwaukee will come in motivated with something to prove, having lost to Philly the last time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But Milwaukee also has a couple injuries to a couple big men. Yes. And Brooke Lopez is in the lineup, but Tal Gasol and – Miritich yes, are both out possibly for a couple weeks, maybe as much as the remainder of the regular season. Mm-hmm. So, I, I would pick the Sixers to beat Milwaukee, but I think it'll be a close one. Milwaukee is as
0: good as they get in the Eastern Conference right now. Definitely, definitely. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been my man, Mike Jones, on the line with me. Once again, you can hear me and Mike Jones. We talk Lakers. We talk March Madness on the latest edition of Offense, Defense, and Discourse. That comes on every Friday morning at Free Agent Radio, at freeagentradio.com. That's at 7 a.m., 7 to 9. And then on Seattle Hip Hop Radio at 12 noon. You can also hear it here on PhillyGoFlow.com every Saturday night slash Sunday morning, however you're looking at it, at 2 a.m. Alright? Now if you like this podcast, you feel in this podcast, you know you can always check this, you can always check this out. You can hear this on soundcloud.com slash Bitw Sports. Or you can hear it on Apple. Uh, Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Just search Best in the World Sports Report. You guys, I want to thank you guys for rocking with me today. Thank you to my guest, Mike Jones. We will check you out next week. Peace, y'all. Have a good day. You feeling this podcast? To hear this more, go to soundwell.com slash B-I-T-W Sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts
1: and search Best in